that you did not create us to worry and to fear, but you created us to worship you and to place our trust in you. Help us to keep our trust in you, O oh God, realizing that you have never failed us and you never will. Now, Father, we pray that you bless the proclamation of the word, the preparation. May you be glorified. May your people be eternally blessed. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I invite you to turn with me once again in your copy of scriptures to Matthew chapter 5. We're continuing our series of sermons through the Beatitudes, and today we want to look specifically at verse 7, Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, where the text reads, Jesus is preaching, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The title of this sermon series is How's Your Attitude? How's my attitude? How's the attitude of our church? Jesus is preaching in this sermon on the mount in an effort to shape his followers' attitudes. And as he continues his sermon on the mount, he comes to the fifth point in his message where he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Mercy. The Greek word in the text used for mercy means having a forgiven spirit and a compassionate heart. That's what it means. So, in essence, Jesus is saying to his followers, Blessed, happy, joyful, rejoicing, supernaturally satisfied are you if you have a forgiving spirit, and a compassionate heart. It means showing kindness and benevolence. Mercy means forgiving those who have wronged you. And all of us have been wronged by somebody. We've been wronged by family members. Some of us have been wronged by church members. We've been wronged by people on the job. We've been wronged by, by neighbors. And the truth of the matter is all of us have wronged somebody else. And so this word mercy is kind of like a double-edged sword, if you will. It means forgiving those who have wronged us. It, it, it's a deliberate effort. It's intentional forgiveness and compassion. It's an act of the will to extend grace to people who don't deserve it. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, blessed are those, rejoicing are those, happy are those, supernaturally satisfied are those who extends mercy and extends grace to people who don't deserve it. It's easy to be merciful towards people that we like, uh, people who have uh, uh, done favorable things for us. It's a lot more difficult to, to, to show or extend grace and mercy to people who don't deserve it. But that's what Jesus is saying. Blessed if you do. Happy if you do. Supernaturally satisfied are you if you do. Mercy means to give help to the wretched and relief to the miserable. Isn't that amazing? 
Jesus is saying you, you'll be blessed if you give help to the wretched and relief to the miserable. Mercy in the text is the opposite of being hard or being cold or being callous and being unforgiving. Un- unforgiving. The person who is merciful, check this, has a tender heart, has a heart that cares deeply for the least and the lost. The merciful have ingrained upon their minds. They can't get away from the thought. They have embedded upon their hearts. They can't get away from the feelings. And they have embroidered upon their character is who they are. The words of Jesus in Matthew 25 and 40, where Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it, to one of the least of these my brethren, Jesus said, you did it unto me. Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the miserable the wretched, the downtrodden, the least, the less, and the lost. These, my brethren, you did unto me. Jesus points out that mercy means active goodwill. Not passive goodwill, but active goodwill. This was well understood by a 19th century preacher who came upon a friend whose horse had just accidentally been killed. And while the crowd of onlookers were gathered around expressing remorse and expressing sympathy, the preacher stepped forward and said to the loudest sympathizer, I have five pounds. Let's say I have five dollars in our terminology. I have five pounds. I have five dollars. I have 25 Dollars. How much are you sorry? And then he passed the hat. True mercy is more than lip service. True mercy demands, demands action. So it is the words of Jesus, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, reverberate down the corridors of time, confronting us challenging us, convicting us to come closer to the mirror of our own realities and see just where we stand in terms of practicing forgiveness and mercy. This is a challenging word from Jesus. Jesus is not preaching this sermon for amen. He's not preaching trying to keep his job. He's not preaching trying to get a raise or trying to increase his benefits. Jesus is preaching a tough message. This is not easy believism. This is tough stuff. It's tough stuff. He, he's preaching a message that convicts, that challenges, that, that, that pushes us closer to the mirror of our own reality and allows us to see where we stand in terms of practicing forgiveness and practicing compassion. In fact, in fact, in fact, the truth is 
where we stand in terms of our forgiveness and our compassion towards others speaks volumes about where we stand with Jesus. Yeah. It, 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 it speaks volumes. Where we stand, the forgiveness of our nature, where we stand, our compassion towards people, regardless of what we say about ourselves and regardless of what other people say about us, this is a sure barometer pointing to exactly where we stand with Jesus. Years ago, a small merchant had an identical, had identical twin boys who were inseparable. They were so close that they even dressed alike. It was said that the reason that these two brothers never married, these twins never married, was because of their extraordinary closeness with each other. When their father, the businessman, died, they took over the family business. Their relationship around town was considered a model of creative collaboration. They worked together in a great remarkable way but one day in the midst of his business business one of the brothers forgot to ring up a sale and he absentmindedly left a dollar bill on top of the cash register while he went to the front of the store to to wait on another customer remembering the dollar bill he returned to the deposit he returned rather to deposit it only to find out that the dollar bill was gone an hour later, uh, he, uh, gone. he asked his brother, rather, if he had seen it. But his brother said, I have not. An hour later, he asked his brother again. But this time, there was an obvious note of suspicion in his voice. Every time they tried to discuss the matter, the conflict grew worse, resulting in vicious charges and counter charges the outcome was the dissolution of their partnership they dissolved their partnership over misunderstanding the whereabouts of one dollar the installation of a petition was placed down the middle of the store and the two brothers as well as their businesses separated this division continued for 20 years. It was an open and divisive sore in the community. One day a car with an out-of-state license pulled up in front of the stores, and a well-dressed man got out and entered one of the brother's shops and, and asked how long the business had been there, to which the brother uh, explained this business, these businesses have been in existence for, for 20 years. The man said, then you are the one with whom I must settle an old score. You see, some 20 years ago, I was out of work, drifting from place to place. I got off a boxcar in town. I had no money. I had not eaten for three days. And I was, as I was walking behind the alley of your store, I looked in the door and I saw a dollar bill on the cash register. 
Now, having been raised in a Christian home by Christian parents that took me to church, I knew I was wrong. But I was hungry and, and, and desperate, and so I slipped in and I took the dollar bill. That fact has weighed heavily on my conscience ever since then. And now I'm a very wealthy man, well-to-do, but this thing has weighed heavily on my conscience. So I'm here today to make peace. Would you let me replace that money and pay you whatever is appropriate for your damages? When the stranger finished his confession, he was amazed to see the old store owner shaking his head in deep sorrow. Finally, the old man regained his composure and asked the stranger to come with him next door and to tell his story to that store owner. The stranger complied. Uh, uh, Rather, the stranger said that he would, and this time he saw both old men standing there crying side by side. This story does not reveal whether or not these two brothers profess faith in Jesus or not, but irregardless of their spiritual confessions, their merciless, unforgiving spirits reveal their hearts had never understood God's mercy. For if they had they would have been merciful towards each other and forgiveness would have been a healing balm to soothe their wounds and heal their relationship. The fifth beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, is the perfect corrective, the ultimate antidote, the supernatural solution for breaking our patterns of unforgiveness. How so? Because when a merciful person remembers his or her own sins, own shortcomings, and own offenses against God, and how it is God's merciful forgiveness is extended to them, On a repetitive basis, they understand that it's just their reasonable duty to extend merciful forgiveness to other people. All right, let me let me put it like this. Let me let me say it like this. When we who know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. When we who are totally and radically transformed by the power of God's Holy Spirit, when we who are genuinely in love with Jesus, when we pause and think about how merciful God has been to us to extend forgiveness to us, In spite of our, don't miss this, God has extended his mercy towards us, his forgiveness to us. In spite of our slanderous tongues, 
in spite of our sickening attitudes and in spite of our sinful behaviors, when we think about God's forgiveness to us for our wretchedness, we ought to jump at the chance to show mercy by forgiving others of sinning against us. That's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. When we consider how forgiving God has been towards us, how Jesus suffered, bled, and died to forgive us for our sins, we ought to jump at every chance to forgive those who have sinned against us. That's what Jesus is preaching. This is tough. Uh, this is not preaching the Pharisees one day. This is tough stuff. But Jesus says, you're blessed when you do it. To illustrate the working of God's mercy in our response, Jesus told a parable in Matthew 18, 23 through 35 of a slave who had been graciously forgiven a great debt by the king. The man then went to a fellow slave who owed him a much smaller amount than what he had just been forgiven of. And then he demanded that every cent be repaid and had this man thrown into prison. When the king heard of the incident, he called the first man to him and he said, You wicked slave, I gave, I forgave you all the debt. Because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had compassion? Should you have not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I pitied, even as I had mercy on you? And his master, the Bible says, was angry. Verse 35, so my heavenly father also will do to you, to each of you. If each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. In this parable, Jesus paints a vivid picture of God's saving mercy in relationship to forgiving others. The first man pleaded with God for mercy. God, please, 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 please forgive me. And God forgave. He received God's forgiveness. The fact that he turned. He, in turn, was unmerciful, was so inconsistent with his own salvation that he was rebuked and he was punished. The text points out that when we hold back mercy from others, God restricts his flow of mercy to us and we forfeit blessings. Go back and, go back and read the text, study it for yourself, but that's what it's saying. Did not Jesus say in Matthew 5 and 7, Blessed, happy, rejoicing, supernaturally satisfied are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If we have received mercy from our holy God that canceled our payment of sin debt, it doesn't take rocket science to figure out that we as a church, we as the body of Christ, we as individual followers of Jesus, 
we who are all benefactors of his death, burial, and resurrection, we who call him Lord and Savior, we who gather for worship and fellowship Sunday after Sunday, we who break bread, the wine, the bread and the cup at the Lord's table ought to be launching, ought to be leading, ought to be leaping to forgive each other and all who trespass against us. This is a hard teaching. This flies in the face of conventional wisdom. This was diametrically opposed to the theology of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders. Jesus confronted them. They were brash. They were bold. They were boastful in their practice like many in our day. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I'll get my pound of flesh one way or another. And vengeance is mine, not the Lord, so says modern day philosophy. To them and to us, then and now, yesteryear and present day, Jesus declares showing mercy is the gateway to God's happiness. But not only is forgiveness and outgrowth of mercy, compassion flows from the heart of mercy. Here's where mercy gives attention to those who are in, in misery. Mercy, however, is not just about feelings. It's also about doing. Mercy exists when something is done to ease, to minimize, or eliminate distress from others. Jesus made this personally clear in Luke 10, 25 through 37 by telling a parable about a man who went down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, when thieves stripped him of his clothes. They wounded him, and they left him to die. Jesus says a priest, a holy man, a man of the cloth, a righteous man supposedly came by, saw the man lying half dead on the road, and instead of helping him, he crossed over on the other side and went on his way. Next, the Levite came alone, saw the man terrible dilemma, barely clinging to life, but he too, like the priest, in verse 32, he looked at the man, but he passed by on the other side. In verse 33, then came a Samaritan. Samaritans were known by the Jews as half-breeds and as sinners. They were despised and rejected, the Samaritans were. But after seeing the Samaritan, after seeing this wounded man, he took a completely different approach the bible says he went to the man he bandaged up his wounds he poured oil and wine on the man's wound that was for medicinal purposes he placed the wounded man on his own animal brought him to an inn or a hotel in modern day vernacular and took care of him and the next morning before this samaritan left on his journey he gave two denarii to the keeper of the inn, and he said, take care of him. He gave him some money, and he said, take care 
of him. And he said, if his care costs you more than I'm giving you, don't worry. For when I come back this way, I will repay you. So Jesus asked a question in verse 36 of the text. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Was it the righteous, self-righteous, legalistic, temple-going Pharisee? Was it the righteous, self-righteous, legalistic, Levite? Was it this Samaritan, greatly despised, viewed as wicked, perhaps even by the man whom he helped? So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? The lawyer to whom Jesus spoke replied, don't miss this, he who showed mercy. Jesus said, didn't he bless it? All the merciful. The lawyer said, he who showed mercy on him. Jesus says in verse 37, then go and do likewise. That's the message of the gospel. That's the message of the church. That's the message of mercy. Jesus said, bless it, happy joyful, full of supernatural satisfaction are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So the question is, which direction is your, which direction is my barometer pointing? I mean, really now, not, not, the self-assessment, my self-assessment or what other people think, but which way is my the needle on my barometer really pointing in line with the text, with Scripture? Are we forgiving and compassionate people? If so, praise God and enjoy his smile. But if not, today is a good day to settle the matter with God, asking him to help us join the ranks of the blessed, merciful. Amen.